0: City First Church, we are so glad that each and every one of you are with us today. If you're new here, we want to let you know that you are in the right place. No matter who you are, you belong here. And today we are continuing in our series, Love Where You Live. If you've missed any of the past few weeks, go back, check them out. They've been amazing. Make sure you come back next week. It's the last week, and Pastor Jeremy has an incredible message. You will not want to miss it. But I want to take a moment and start off with a question How many of you are morning people, like you wake up, you're ready to go. You don't even need any coffee, just a few people, okay? You're like, this is the 11 a.m. service, so how many of you are like, I need a cup of coffee and to sleep in, and then I'm a morning person, okay? I also would like to have a cup of coffee before I have to do anything every morning, and I've had some bad morning moments when I've tried to do things without a cup of coffee, And I remember years ago, I took a team from our original women's conference to Chiang Mai, Thailand to partner with one of our partner organizations, Zoe International, in their fight against human trafficking. And we flew all the way to Chiang Mai, Thailand. It's like 25 hours of flying, then you have layovers. So we get there and we're completely jet-lagged, tired. And the next day, we took another five-hour trip up to a remote Hill Tribe village. And when I say remote, it is remote. Like there's barely roads, barely electricity, there's definitely no Starbucks, and we are jet-lagged. And so it was Saturday, and we're meeting with the pastor. We're going to do the church service the next day. And so everything's through a translator, and the pastor says, we're so happy to have people from America here in our village. We said, we're honored to be here. He said, are you all good for church tomorrow? I said, we're all good. And he said, I'd like to invite you guys to come to our pre-service prayer. And we said, we would love to be there. So I asked him, what time is your pre-service prayer at? Now, I'm thinking that in the context of our church, first service is 9.30, prayer is at 9 a.m. Our staff huddles for pre-service prayer at 9. So I'd already committed, we'll be there. Then I asked him, what time is it at? And he said, well, pre-service prayer starts at 5 a.m., And I said, okay, I don't even know if Jesus is awake at 5 a.m. You all have no Starbucks here. This is not going to be good. And the translator starts saying that. I'm like, no, no, don't say that. so we would be honored to be there at 5 a.m. So the next morning, we're up at like 4 in the morning. We're jet lagged. There's no coffee. And we get to church. And I'm thinking it's just going to be our team and like two other people. We show up, and like the whole village turns up for pre-service prayer. So everyone's there, they're praying. It honestly was like a beautiful thing in this little church um, in this village and I'm kind of in the back praying, standing up so I don't fall asleep, I'm just being honest. And the pastor gets up and he's like, I would like to invite one of the team members from the American team to come up and give a word for our village. So the whole team looks at me like, you're the leader, Lisa, you must have a word. I was like, oh Jesus, you gotta wake up right now. So I grab my Bible, I start walking to the front, and right before I get up there, a verse pops in my mind, and I was like, I knew you were awake, you never sleep. And so this verse comes to my mind, and I just muster up all of the energy I can and confidence, and I just said, hi, my name is Lisa, and I believe that God brought me all the way from America to speak this word over your village. Go ahead and open up your Bible to Psalm 36, 5, and 6. And they don't have phones, so they have paper Bibles. You hear all the paper rustling. It was like a beautiful noise. And the translator just starts reading the passage right from her Bible, and I read it from mine. And, you know, I start saying, um, Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. And everyone in the church is looking at me like I am a terrible, terrible person. I'm thinking, what's going on? And someone from the, uh, the team here says, I think you gave them the wrong reference. I said, no, Psalm 36, five and six. They said, no, so you said Psalm 35, five and six. So I just turned my, my Bible one page over, and indeed what I had said to them and what they had read, I had said, I came all the way from America to speak this over your village. Blow them away like chaff in the wind. Make their path dark and slippery with the angel of darkness pursuing them. It was not good. I was like, there's no coffee. I'm so sorry. It was very embarrassing. And I had to say, God doesn't speak that over your village and had to take it back. So just today, I want to let you know, I have had a grande iced Americano. I have double-checked all of our scripture references, and we are going to have a great day in church together as we continue this series. And so I wanna invite you to open up your Bible to John chapter four, that is the correct reference. And if you don't have a Bible, it's gonna be on the screen for us. And we're actually gonna be looking at a famous passage from God's word. And maybe you've heard it before, maybe it's your 15th time hearing it, maybe it's your first time hearing it, but no matter how many times we open up God's word, I wanna encourage us to always approach God's word with expectancy. Every single time, God, you have something new for me today. And I believe that for each and every one of us, that God wants to speak to you through his word. And this passage is about a famous woman in the Bible. We call her the Samaritan woman at the well. And when we look at a map from that time, we see that Samaria was a region in between Judea and Galilee. And Judea and Galilee were occupied by full-blooded Jewish people while Samaria was a bit of a melting pot. And so the full-blooded Jewish people did not like Samaria because they did not agree with it. In fact, Jewish people hated Samaria, and they avoided Samaritans kind of like a Bears fan avoids a Green Bay Packers fan. So we have Jesus, who is Jewish, and then we have Our Lady at the well. And not only was she a Samaritan, and a woman, but she was a woman with a past. See, this lady hadn't been married just one time, not two times, not three times, not four times. She had been married five times, and in the context of the story, she was also currently living with a man who was not her husband. And that might feel like culturally a lot to us today, but back then, it was extremely, extremely unusual. And so, some people might even say that this woman was the very first Desperate housewife, okay? And not only did this woman have a past, but she had a public past in a really small town where everybody knew everybody's business. They didn't even need Facebook to know what was going on. So there's a lot that we do know about this woman, but there's also a lot that we don't know about this woman. We don't even know what her name was. We don't know why she had been married five times. We don't know who is the man she was currently living with, but we do know that Jesus talks with this Samaritan woman at the well, and that this conversation is the longest one-on-one conversation that Jesus has with someone that's recorded in the Bible. And that tells us that this story is significant. And the scene that we're about to read takes place around a well because our Samaritan woman, well, she was thirsty. And so it says this in John chapter 4, starting at verse 3. So he left Judea, meaning Jesus, and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to the same place doing the same thing every day to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. The woman said, I know that Messiah is coming and when he comes he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find them talking with a woman but no one asked, what do you want? Why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of your word. And God, I pray over the next little bit of time that we have together, you would help me to get out of the way so that you can have your way. I pray that you would speak to every heart, open every mind to receive what you have for us today. We love you, God, and in your name we pray, amen. I love God's word and that it's applicable to us today. And there's three truths that I want us to pull out from the story that we just read that I believe are gonna impact us right now. And so the first thing is this. What we see happens is that God works in the Samaritan woman. God works in, see we read that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now this was not because there wasn't another; there was another way to get there, but he had to go through Samaria because he knew that the lady at the well was there and she was searching and she was longing and she was looking for something to satisfy her thirsty soul. She was looking to people. She was looking to relationships. She was maybe looking to material things, but Jesus knew that only he could give her what she truly Longed for and was desperate for. And I love this story because who did Jesus go out of his way for? Was it the individual who had it all together? Was it the person who had the nice and neat and tidy life? Why do you think that this woman was drawing water from the well at noon? At noontime in Samaria, it was very hot. Most people always would draw their water from the well early in the morning when it was cooler to avoid the midday heat. The only reason that you'd be going to draw water from the well at noontime is if maybe you're trying to avoid the crowd. Or maybe you're tired of the crowd trying to avoid You. Maybe she was ashamed of her past or embarrassed about her present situation. She probably felt like her life was a bit of a mess. I think we've all been there and life feels like a bit of a mess. And yet Jesus goes out of his way to meet her in the middle of her mess. And that's how amazing our God is. He doesn't require you to get cleaned up. He doesn't require you to get your life in order before you come to him or before he goes to you. Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at, right in the middle of your mess. To those who feel unqualified or undignified or embarrassed, Jesus says, I want to meet you right where you're at. He loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay where you are. And so Jesus goes out of her way, he meets with her, he sits with her, he talks with her, and he shows her that there is a better way for her, that he has a future and a hope for her. And Jesus does a deep, healing, personal, life-changing work inside of her something that only Jesus could do. And Jesus wants to work in our lives too, to meet us right where we're at, in the middle of whatever it is that we're going through, in the middle of our mess, and let us know that we're not alone, that you're seen, that you're loved, that he has a plan for you and a purpose for you. And once Jesus does this deep work inside of her heart and in her life, the second thing we see happens is that God then wants to work through her. God works in her, After she meets Jesus, then he wants to work through her. And she didn't just keep the good news about what Jesus had done to herself. Hope had come to her, but it didn't stay with her. She passed it on, which is actually one of our core values here at City First Church. We want everybody to know God, grow in faith, live it out, and pass it on. See, when Jesus met her and changed her, He didn't have to then go and tell everybody else in the town about himself, right? She went and she did it. In John 4, 29 through 30 that we just read, it says that she went back to the town and said to all the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? And the town came out and they made their way to meet him. You know, scholars say about this woman at the well that she was actually the first evangelist that we read about. How incredible is that? God had done something in her and so she had to tell everybody about it. And then after she told everybody in her town, she said, well, I gotta tell some more people. So then she went to the next town and she went to the next town and she went to the next town. Sometimes we get more excited about telling people about the sale we found at Target than we do about telling them that Jesus has changed our life. But not this woman at the well. She said, God has changed me and I need somebody to know about it. So she told everybody that she could about the good work that God had done in her. He worked in her, but then he, she said, I know God also wants to work through me. And church, we must understand that God chooses to work through people. I don't always understand it. It seems like a messy path to take, but that is how God accomplishes so much of his plan for people's lives. We look throughout the Bible, and we see how God worked through through people. God worked through Noah to build the ark and save humankind. God worked through Moses to free his people from slavery in Egypt. God worked through Rahab to save the spies and eventually her entire family. God worked through Mary to bring our savior into the world. God worked through Jesus to give us salvation. God worked through Peter to build his church God worked through the disciples to do the miracle of feeding the 5,000. God worked through the lady at the well to tell other people about him. And church, God wants to work through you. You are part of his plan for this earth, for people finding him. We can't delegate that responsibility to somebody else or think, oh, that's just for the pastors. This is for each and every one of us. And studies are showing that in our current culture, less and less and less people are inclined to want to come to a physical church building. And while we will always keep inviting people to church and we will always prioritize gathering in a faith community because the Bible instructs us to. It's where we're encouraged, we learn, we grow. While we will always believe in in in-person church and prioritize it, we also have to be willing to meet people right where they are at. Some people are not ready yet to step foot into a church, but I bet that they are ready to hear the good news about God has changed your life. And I know sometimes that can be intimidating. You're like, I'm actually not clapping because it scares me, okay? I understand. It can sometimes be intimidating, to say, I don't know how to lead someone to the Lord. I don't even know how to explain who Jesus is. He's man, he's God, it's kind of confusing. Here's the thing, the enemy wants you to feel like it is confusing and it is scary and it is intimidating because he doesn't want the good news to get out. But what if we just broke it down a little bit? What if we remove some of the fear and we just said it like this? What's something that I can do? What's something that you can do? We can all share our stories. You can share your story. And you don't have to have it all together before you share your story. The woman at the well hadn't gone through growth tracker yet or gotten a freedom group yet, but she still shared her story. What was your life like before God? Where were you? Were you broken? Was your marriage falling apart? Were you restless, discontent, searching for purpose, full of shame And now you are forgiven and free and healed and your marriage is restored and you're content in Christ. You're living on purpose and for a purpose. Simply tell somebody about it. Sometimes if we've been following Jesus for a while, we can forget what our life was like before Christ. And sometimes it's just good to go back and to remember where we were. You know, Adam and I just celebrated our 10-year wedding anniversary this past weekend, which is pretty incredible. He's amazing, put up with me for 10 years. And while no marriage is perfect, including ours, we know that we have a strong and healthy marriage, but we are also fully aware it is strong and it is healthy because Christ is at the center. Without Jesus, I don't even want to think about where we would be at. Without Jesus, right, we once were lost, but now we're found blind, but now we see Think about if you physically were blind and couldn't see, and then you received a supernatural healing, your eyes were open and you could see things, how excited you would be about it. That's what it's like for us spiritually when Jesus changes our lives. He wants to work in us and he wants to work through us. And I love this passage. Pastor Jeremy read it last week, but I want to read it again because I think it's so important for the series that we're in about loving where you live. It's in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16 in the message translation. It says, here's another way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm gonna hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So now maybe you're leaning in and say, okay, God wants to work in me, and he also wants to work through me. And that's really important that both of those things are happening. Because if you're only letting God work in you and not through you, you're never going to live out the full potential that God created you to live out. That's part of it. We have to let God work in us, but then we have to let him work through us. It's when we come alive to the purposes and the gifts that he's placed inside of you. So you might say, I want to do that. I want God to work in me. I want to work through me. Well, where do I start at? Well, we can take a cue from the woman at the well, and we can begin by sharing God's hope with those around you. Let God work in you. Let God work through you, and let it begin simply with those around you. Don't overcomplicate it. Who has God placed in your proximity? Let's begin to share hope. You know, I think one of the reasons I was thinking about why don't we sometimes share the love of God or what God has done in us with those around us. Yeah, sometimes it can be intimidating or maybe we're not thinking about it. But also I think in our current day and age, there's something called compassion fatigue. In our current day and age, we are exposed to so much negative information and negative realities that are happening all across the globe and we're hearing about it in real time in real time we're hearing what's going on all around the world we have our news apps that are sending us notifications that can reach us at any moment of the day that's telling us some of the horrific things that are happening we see bad things happening in our cities or on social media and most of the time when we're hearing these terrible things about people we may never even know them, and we may never even have interaction with them. And while we can still be praying and supporting, like we're making a difference in Ukraine right now through giving and through our prayers, but we also sometimes can be so exhausted about everything that's happening out there, we can miss the opportunities that are right here, right in front of us. We can become so overwhelmed, so exhausted, even paralyzed by all of the stuff happening around the world, that we miss out on the people who are right around us, the opportunities right in front of us in our own sphere of influence, in our own neighborhoods, in our own office space and classrooms. And just how the lady at the well started sharing her story of redemption with those closest to her, I wanna encourage all of us to do the same. And we actually have a resource here for you today. It's called a Neighborhood Block Map. We're gonna put a photo up for you. And if you're at a physical location, we have one of these for you. Everybody gets one. It's magnetic. You can throw it on your fridge. Um, if you are online joining us, you can print it off, and that way you can have a copy of your own to participate with us as well. And the idea is to fill in every one of those squares with somebody's name. And the reason that we have these, I know it might seem kind of basic, but in the busyness of life between work work, and family, and calendar, running your kids, to sports practices, grocery shopping, school schedules, we can forget to be intentional with the people that God has placed around us. So taking the time to fill out each one of these little squares, what it does is it actually reminds us to pause long enough to say, do I even know my neighbors' names? Do I know what they're going through? You know, we have a single gentleman who lives next to us, and him and Adam will text frequently, and we see him a lot in the summer In the winter. Everyone's kind of hibernating. But this past winter, he came down with COVID, and apparently it was so bad he couldn't care for himself, so he had to fly in a family member from far away to help care for him. And we found out months after it happened. And I remember Adam and I feeling so heartbroken that someone who lives 20 feet away from us was going through one of the most difficult times, and we didn't even know about it so we could help. And it reminds us that there might be great need right around us. And so we want to know what are the people that live by us going through. And when Jesus, I think this is really important, when Jesus had to go see the lady at the well, he had to go to Samaria. Yes, I think he was thinking about the lady at the well. But I also think he was thinking about her neighbors. And he was thinking, if I can reach her and do a work in her, then I can work through her to reach those around her. And I believe the same is true for each and every one of us, that God loves your neighbors enough that he placed you to live next door to him. God handpicked you. He was thinking about your neighbors, and he said, I know who I can work through. It's David it's Mary, it's Sally, it's Lisa. I know who I can work through. He loves your neighbors that much. It's no accident that you live where you live or you work where you work. But it's going to require us to go out of our way just as Jesus went out of his way for the lady at the well, just as Jesus went out of his way for me, just as Jesus went out of his way for you. We also have to go out of our way for the people around us. What does that look like practically if you're trying to get to know your neighbors and invest in your neighborhood? It might be as simple as when you pull into your garage when you get home, not shutting the garage door before you get out of the car, but actually getting out, walking outside, showing your neighbors you're alive, taking a little bit longer to get the mail, It might look like intentionally asking your neighbors if they need anything or dropping off a meal or cookies. Or if you have kids, it's like the ultimate cheat sheet to know your neighbors. You put them in the front yard and play instead of the backyard, people are gonna come and talk to you about your kids or bring their kids over. And we just are intentional with getting to know them. What if we actually prayed for every person's name that was on our block map every single day? You might be the only person praying for them in their entire life. And that's not only an opportunity, but as Christ followers, a responsibility that we have. And as we take the time to invest in those around us, I believe God's going to give you an opportunity not just to share your story, but in time, even invite them to church. You know, I think we all should be bringing people with us to church at least two times a year, Christmas, Easter, holidays, Mother's Day, Father's Day. But every day of the year, we can be praying and we can be investing even before we invite. And so I wanna encourage you to get creative with your block map, okay? Maybe you're a rule follower and you're like, well, I don't really have a neighborhood all that we're asking is that you fill it in with people who are in proximity to you. So maybe that means you're writing in the names of your coworkers who sit in cubicles near you, or maybe you're writing in the names, if you're a student, of the people who are in class around you. The idea is just to get intentional and let God's love and peace and hope flow through you, and they're gonna notice a difference. And you're gonna have an opportunity to invest and share your story. And it's not even really your story. What you're doing is you're pointing, you're pointing it back to Jesus. You're saying, this is what Jesus did in me. He changed me, he freed me. I found community, I found a spiritual family. This is what Jesus did. Hope has come to us, but it doesn't end with us. And I wanna close our time together today by sharing a story that is so amazing. And it's from one of our locations that we love so much, and that City First Church that's located inside of Hardy Correctional Center, one of our God behind bars locations. And we love these guys, they're absolutely amazing. And a couple months ago, Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Sam and Pastor Chris got to go and be with them in person to do live worship, live message. And while they were there, some of the leaders who are inmates, but they're leaders at City First, took the opportunity, said, Pastor Jeremy's here, we got to talk to you. So they asked him to come aside, and they said, we have this plan, and we have this vision to do an outreach, to invite strategic people who want nothing to do with God, who want nothing to do with church, to come and spend some time with us. And Pastor Jeremy said, do you think they're really gonna come to hear about Jesus? They said, no, but they will come if we have pizza and if we have pie and we have some special food that we don't normally get to have. So we're asking if our church would help to fund this outreach. Pastor Jeremy said, absolutely, what a great investment. And they were so diligent in putting together a plan. Tim and Tony and the whole team who did that, we honor you. We honor you. Incredible. And what I love about Tony, what I love about Tim, is that they had a vision for the people's lives around them. They said, we see that they're broken. We see that they're hurting. We see that they're bitter. We see, But we can also see them in through our eyes of faith, free and healed and forgiven and loved and restored. So the warden gave them permission to invite 75 people. That was the max. He said, not one person more. So they prayed and they strategically invited 75 people to an outreach. And Tim and Tony are serious because it was a multiple-day outreach. It wasn't like an hour. They were there over three days for a couple hours every day. And some people who had already found freedom in Christ, they got up. This is at a maximum security prison. And they simply shared their story. Said, I was lost, but now I'm found. I couldn't forgive myself, but Jesus forgave me and now i found forgiveness. And at the end of this multiple day outreach, where there are 75 people who came, 45 of the people who were invited stood up on their feet, physically walked down front and said, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I don't care who sees, I don't care who knows. I want what you've got. I want God to work in me and work through me to those around me and out of those 45 guys, 24 of them have been water baptized, declaring that their old life is gone and a new life in Christ has begun. And this outreach was like a week ago, they're wasting no time because once God changes you, you can't keep it to yourself. They said, God has worked in me and now I want him to work through me and where do I start? with those around me and I think we can all be encouraged and inspired and convicted that we all have a light to shine bright no matter where you're at whether you work at Starbucks or in a school this year with your students or your classmates or in a business or in your neighborhood let's go out of our way just how Jesus went out of his way for us God is working through Tim and Tony to change people. God wants to work through you to change your neighborhood, to change some families, to change some stories. So if you say, Lisa, I agree with this message and I am willing for God to work in me, through me and around me, would you go ahead and would you stand to your feet in response as I pray for us this morning? You're just saying, yep, I want God to work in me. I'm open, what does he wanna do in me? What does he wanna change in me? Maybe you're saying, I want God to work through me. I haven't even been thinking about it. To be honest, it's not that I don't want God to work through me. I've just been preoccupied. But I'm not preoccupied anymore. Maybe you say, I want God to show me who I should start investing in around me. I'm going to get to know somebody. I'm going to learn somebody's name. I'm actually going to take this block map home and fill it out. What could God do through all of these people who are saying, I am available, I am willing God can do something incredible in and through to reach the lives around us. Let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every person who's on their feet right now at a physical location or maybe standing in their living room at another location. God, we are coming before you saying that we are willing to be available to be used, that you would work in us, that you would work through us and may it simply start with those around us. God, I pray that we would shine bright, pointing people back to you so that lost people can be found, that they may know you, find their purpose in you and that they too can pass it on. I pray that you would embolden us, strengthen us, give us vision for the people who you've placed around us. I pray that we would walk in authority, that we would walk in the anointing that you've placed on us to be people who are the proclaimers of the good news of Jesus. God, I pray that you would stir something up inside of us. If we have been asleep to the needs around us, I pray that we would be asleep no longer, but we would be wide awake to what you've done in us and what you want to do in people around us. We thank you, God, that you would choose us. Thank you that you saved us, and now you want to use us. We say, God, we are going to go forth from here different than when we came in. Thank you, Jesus. And if you're with us today, and maybe you're new to church, or maybe you've been coming around for a little while, and God's been wanting to work in you, And today you're saying, I want to choose just how the lady at the well let Jesus change her life. Maybe today is your day and you say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to make him the leader and the forgiver of my life where my past is forgiven and my future is secure in Jesus. If that's you, with no one looking around, you're not joining the church. This isn't about religion. This is about relationship. If that's you, would you go ahead and slip up your hand? Say, today I'm gonna choose to follow Jesus. Hands are going up all around this room. I believe they are online as well. Would you go ahead? Would everybody repeat this prayer after me so no one feels like they're saying it alone? Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son, Jesus that he died for me, forgives my sins, and gives me a fresh start. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, can we give a huge round of applause for every person who prayed that prayer, best decision that you will ever make.